You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Hello, church. Here we are again in our online-only setup. Not really the place we want to be, but we're thankful for technology that allows us to meet together, even though it's only online. But certainly in this blizzard, this great snowstorm, we're happy for the opportunity to be able to do that. We want to make you aware of just a couple of ways that we can communicate together. Uh, Maybe you have a prayer request this morning. We would love to pray with you about any burden or concern that you might have. If you will just text that request to 303-529-2188. Our leadership will uh, covet with you to pray over those requests and pray for you. You can use that same text number to text the word notes, 303-529-2188. Text the word notes and you'll get a link. There's also a link on your Facebook Live comments that you can use for the notes for the teaching today. Maybe you've got some needs related to this blizzard and this snowstorm. If we can be of any assistance to you, please reach out. You can message us directly through Facebook or go to our website, belmarchurch.com. Click on one of those email links and we'll try to help in any way that we can. We hope that you're warm and you're safe this morning. Uh, We hope that uh, you're with some family and friends and we want to enjoy God's word and learn from God's word today. In Ephesians chapter 2, we find the second uh, mention of this Greek word that is translated the word access. We talked about last week how we have access to the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And this word access uh, is used with the idea of maybe a key card or, or a key that an area that we are kept out of. We're prohibited from entering, but with that key, we can go in. We have access. As I thought about this even some more this week, I thought, you know, uh, there's not a lot of times where I felt like I had backdoor or backstage access. I usually felt like I was just a person in the crowd, but I can think of some different times where maybe I've known somebody or have had a personal connection and been able to to get some unique access. I remember one time when I was a, a young minister, a youth pastor, and my son Ty was just a little boy. We had some friends, and he owned several auto parts stores. And they brought in a NASCAR car. Uh, there was a NASCAR race in Delaware where we were at, and they brought in this NASCAR to sit in front of his garage and his auto parts store. There was a guy there who was responsible for the car. He was the the babysitter, the caretaker. They had ropes around it. But I remember the owner of the the store and the garage, who was a good friend of mine, uh, he came to the man and he said, listen, I want a picture of my granddaughter in this car. And the guy didn't really like it, but this was the guy that was in charge. And so he let him do that. And I was there with my son, and then he turned and he said, and this is my other grandson, which wasn't exactly true, but uh, he let Ty sit in the car and get his picture taken and hold his hands on the steering wheel and have access to a place that really only the driver normally has access to. 
That's this idea that we're talking about today. The idea of being able to be in a special place. Being able to be in a place that maybe uh, we think is uh, not for us, but through God, we have a special access. And so we want to begin this morning by looking at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In the next several verses, and I would encourage you to look at them this week, it talks about how there's a middle wall. There's a barrier between us and God. And then on a couple of occasions in these verses, it uses the word enmity. That word enmity means a mutual malice or hatred. It's that you're at war or you're an enemy with someone and they feel exactly the same way. That might not be how you think of your relationship with God. You might think, well, me and God, we have an understanding. I leave him alone and he leaves me alone. But in fact, uh, that's not the way God views our relationship outside of Jesus Christ. He says we are at enmity with him. See, the truth is God has a problem with us. That problem is sin. It's every time we fall short of, of God's standard, which is holiness. Every time we have an impure thought, every time we lose our temper, every time we tell an untruth, or even when we do good things, but we do them for selfish and prideful motives. That is sin. And that puts that barrier, that middle wall, between us and God, it contributes to the enmity that we have with God. But in Ephesians chapter two, in verse number 17, this passage continues and it says this, and he, talking about Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, he reconciles God and man. It's really interesting, and we're not going to dive as deep into it as we could today, but this idea that God's only son, Jesus, came to earth as man, fully man and fully God. In that process that it's difficult for us to even understand, he reconciles God to man. He tears down that middle wall, that partition, and he brings peace where there was once enmity. It is Jesus who is God and man at the same time who can reconcile us as men to God. And so we have peace with God. And we talked about that last week, and we have access to God's grace, but we also have access by the work of Christ, and in the unity of the Spirit, we have access to the Father, to, to God Almighty, who sits in, on his throne, who controls the very universe. We have access to him. And we know from other scriptures, and we'll look at that a little bit today, that it's not just access, but it is this 
this relationship that is close as a father to a son. And so because I have access to the very presence of God, that gives me a certain privileges and, and it means certain things for my life. Right before I came to record this, I got a text from my daughter, Kimberly, and she said, are you busy? Now that is code for, I'd like to talk. And so I didn't respond with a text. I called her. We talked for a moment, and when I'm done recording this, I'll go and I'll talk with her longer. And I look forward to that. I have meetings throughout the day, but almost without exception, if my wife or one of my children call, I try to pause that meeting and answer that call because they are my priority. They ha I want them to know that they have access to me anytime they need it. And sometimes it's just a call to say hi and, and, and we'll cut that short. But if they really need to talk, if they really need something, I want to give them that time. I want them to know that they are my priority. Now I understand not every job can be that way, but our relationships can be that way. We can make and we should make priority the people that are the most important to us. And this is what God does for us. This is how God uh, gives us access to his very presence. And so I just wanna give us four things this morning uh, that because we have access to God's presence, uh, we have certain things. Number one, it means that I can communicate with God. I can communicate with him. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus Christ is speaking uh, and he's, his disciples are asking him to teach them how to pray. It, one of the wisest things his disciples ever asked of him because Jesus was, of course, in constant communication with the Father. Many times the Bible says that he was praying or he would get off by himself and he would pray. He knew the will of the Father and he was in constant communication with the Father. And in, in sharing that, with his disciples, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse five. He says, when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, they have their reward. Jesus said that when these hypocrites would pray, they would make a big show of it. They would do so in a conspicuous spot. And they would do so to be seen by men. And Jesus said they got exactly what they were trying to accomplish. People saw them. People heard them. Others around them heard them and saw them. But not God. He goes on in verse number six and says this, but when you, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father. Go into a, a quiet place. Go into a private place. Close the door. Don't let anybody see. Well, then who would hear? Who would know? He says, your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will, will reward you openly. 
The only person that matters when we pray is the Father. And when we focus our heart on him, he hears. He's there with us. See, the hypocrites, they weren't really looking to have the Father here. They were looking to have those around them here. They were having those around them. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to get some kind of gratification for being spiritual. But Jesus said, when we pray and when we follow the example of Jesus, we do it in secret. And the Father always hears. Now, I think about that sometimes, how I like to pray in, a, in an environment where everybody can see me. Not church, but I often pray in my car. I'll pray with my eyes open and I'll have, uh, obviously, people can see in the windows. But it is a private place because it's me and God. And as I drive, I can pour out my, my request, my heart to God, and I know that he will hear me. Maybe you like to pray like that. Maybe you close your eyes and will pray uh, while you're riding the bus, or maybe you'll do it at home. You can even do it while you're cooking dinner, but any place we can focus our heart and our attention on God. The promise we have is that because of the access that we have to God, he will hear us. He sees us and he hears us. Not only that, not only do we communicate with him, but he will communicate with us. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Well, that's the word of God, right? But how does God communicate with us? That's verse number 12, but look at verse number 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, God's sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's interesting that these two verses are together. Verse 13 says that nothing is hidden from God and from, every, from everybody is, is naked or is open to the one to whom we have to give an account. Well, that, of course, is God, the Father. But right before that, he talks about the Word. And he says the word is piercing. The word is living and powerful, he says. God communicates to us through his word. God's word has been around for thousands of years, that's true. But it's not an old, dead book. It's living and it's powerful. And God, through the Holy Spirit, uses his word to communicate and speak directly to us. God's word contains his wisdom. And through the spirit, it makes application to our hearts all of the time. That's why you can read a verse or hear a verse that maybe you've read 10 times before or hundreds of times before. But God can use it in a particular moment to make particular application to a very specific situation that we're in. He does that because his word is powerful and it's alive. And so we have this opportunity for us to speak to God and for God to speak to us. The access that we get to the Father allows us to communicate with him. Not only that, but I can run to him. I can run to him, especially when I'm hurt 
or when I'm afraid. Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This refers to Jesus, right? Our high priest who was tempted, who's human. And so he felt temptation, he felt uh, pain, he felt uh, the difficulties that we face, and yet without sin. And then verse 16 goes on and says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can find mercy and grace to help in time of need. What a tremendous promise that we have. And we can think about uh, how, how maybe it was when we were young. I remember being outside and playing, falling and getting cut or scraped, maybe riding my bike and crashing. And immediately after that crash, what would I want to do? I would want to find my mom or my dad. I'd want to find uh, my parent who would bring me comfort. I knew that they, they could check me out and make sure that I was okay. They would, uh, they would clean my wounds. They would bandage me up. And the truth is that oftentimes that would bring more pain. Maybe they'd pour that hydrogen peroxide or they'd need to clean out some gravel from a scrape. And yet I never hesitated to go to them because I knew that ultimately that's where comfort was. That's, they would be right there to help me. I remember my younger brothers would often run to my mom or dad if I was picking on them or, or giving them a hard time. Because they knew that my behavior would change and that there was help, there was protection if they were right there with mom and dad. I didn't like that much, but it was very effective. And we have the same access with our father. We know that earthly fathers can lose patience. Earthly fathers cannot always be there when we need them. Sometimes earthly fathers uh, don't have all of the resources, but we have a heavenly father whose patience for us is, is seemingly endless, whose love for us is endless, whose resources abound beyond what we could imagine. And this is who we have access to. We can communicate with him. We can run to him when we're hurting, when we're in fear. And also, we can depend on him to provide. Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse 14, says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. And they have sent a gift to him. And he's in prison. He's in distress. And as he closes that letter, he thanks them for the gift. He says, you've done well. And then in that context, in just a few uh, short sentences, he writes Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, where he says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In the midst of his distress, Paul would say, listen, God is going to provide all of your needs, and he's going to do it according to his riches. We serve the God who has a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. We serve the God who has unlimited power and unlimited resources, and according to his power, according to his riches, he will supply 
our needs. And so we can come to him when we are in need, when we are in distress. We can communicate with him. And finally, we can know that I'll be with, that we will be with him forever. Because of the access that we have to God, we can know that our eternal destiny is secure. I'm reminded of a very familiar passage of scripture in John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's trying to prepare them for the fact that he's going to ultimately be crucified and then after his resurrection ascend to the Father. He's not going to be with them like he has been. And so in John chapter 14, in verse number one, Jesus says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Man, what an amazing promise Jesus gives to his disciples here. He says, the, the Father loves you. The Father's not going to forsake you. The, the Father has, is preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back and bring you to myself and bring you to the Father. And you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. Well, this is great news. But that's not how Thomas responded. Thomas responded and said, Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you're going and we certainly don't know how to get there. And Jesus would make this declaration in John chapter 14 and verse six, one of the most famous about himself, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You wanna know where I'm going? You wanna know how to get there? It's me. I'm the key. I'm the key to give you access. I am the key to help you to be able to communicate with the Father and the Father communicate with you, to be able to go to the Father when we're in stress and, and fear and trouble, to be able to know that the Father will provide for us and to know that we will be with him in eternity. All of these things, the key to that, to, the key to that access is Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth. He is the way to our eternal life. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. I want to exhort you with this truth from God's word. I want to build you up that, listen, we have this access to the Father. We have a heavenly Father who has all resources and he will provide for us. We have a heavenly Father who loves us, has compassion for us, and will comfort us and strengthen us when we're in trouble and when we're in fear. We have a heavenly Father who will not be too busy, who will not be silent, but will speak to us and will hear us. And we have a heavenly Father who desires to spend eternity with us in heaven. And so if you're listening this morning and you're a believer, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, be encouraged in the access that we have to the Father. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. There's never been a time and a place in your life where you've asked Jesus to forgive you. 
You've put your faith and your trust in him. Romans says that if we will call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. We simply believe with our heart and confess with our mouth. And when we will take that step of faith, we can have access to the grace of God. And through Christ, we can have access to God the Father that we've talked about today. If you're watching this this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can simply call out to him. Pray a prayer, uh, just a simple prayer where you say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace in my life. And God, I trust in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection to give me forgiveness for the wrong things I've done and to give me new life and life eternal with God Almighty. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to rejoice with you. We'd love to help you on your walk with God. You can message us through Facebook. You can reach out to us. You can email me, pastor at belmarchurch.com. We would love uh, to hear and rejoice with you that you've known, that you've uh, trusted Christ as your Savior, but also to help you to grow in your faith. We appreciate you being with us today. We love you. God bless you. And we hope to see you next week live and in person.